Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and my guest this week is Laura Nixon, co-founder of New Zealand-based oral care brand Solid. Laura started up Solid after becoming alarmed by the sheer volume of plastic being produced in the oral care industry, not just in toothpaste tubes, but also in the single-use PPE used in clinics across the profession. Solid only got started about three years ago, but already you can find their products in stockists across New Zealand. And they have huge plans for expanding to new markets this year, as well as an imminent upgrade in their production facility. More on that, of course, in the show. I know that in our household, we made all sorts of incremental improvements in single-use plastics in the last year, from refillable home cleaning products to personal care items, toilet paper, and so on and so on. But one area untouched for us, at least to date, has been toothpaste. So it was exciting to be able to hear more about that, as well as get the inside track on a brand at the cutting edge of this space. So with that, let's start the show. Laura Nixon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is, I think, yes, this is the first sustainable dental care brand we've had on the show. So, you know, that's always exciting when we do something new and interesting on the show. So I'm thrilled to have you here, uh, Laura. And we're going to be exploring today all sorts of really interesting things about the about the dental care space and how to make that sustainable today. But before we get into all of the nitty gritty details, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, Laura. How, what's your background and how did you get into doing this amazing oral care brand? Yeah, sure. It's um, it's probably not the the standard sort of path to a career is getting into making your own toothpaste. Um, but yeah, I had a background in uh, dental therapy and uh, dental hygiene. So I was actually working in dental clinics for um, about four years after I uh, graduated. And it was while I was working in those that I started to notice the amount of plastic waste and just sort of single-use waste that we would get through on a daily basis. And it's just huge, right? You have about 10 and 15 appointments in a day. And uh, each time you're sort of putting plastic wrap over literally everything you touch, you're wearing plastic gowns, uh, everything is single use. Um, and that's, you know, apparently that's okay. Uh, yeah, so that really started to bother me. And so what I did was started looking as well at what we're using at home so you know I mean, all the stuff we're using at home was also single-use plastic toothpaste tubes yeah. plastic brushes and when I learned the scale of the problem you know that say in New Zealand we use uh, 16 million we, uh, we send 16 million toothpaste tubes a year to landfill I started thinking well why are we doing it in this way and you know other industries are starting to do things better um why not oral care so that's 16 million tubes in New Zealand. And there's what, population about four-ish million, four and a half million? Five million. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're sort of talking about three tubes per person-ish per year, three, three to four tubes per person per year. So let's call it four just to say that everyone's cleaning their teeth really, really well. And so in Australia, that would be like 100 million tubes of toothpaste in Australia a year. Yeah. That is... 
that's astonishing number of tooth and of course they just they just sit there forever right full of gunk they can't get recycled at the moment as i understand it no so yeah toothpaste tubes are either it's a notoriously either very difficult process to do it and i think in general it's not really going to happen um yeah, yeah. recycling is is probably not yeah recycling toothpaste tubes i don't think is the best way to to solve the issue of um of plastic and oral care no and and i don't know i mean i i'm certainly you know I'm, I guess I'd like to think I was a bit more savvy than most when it comes to recycling, but I certainly don't even try to chuck my toothpaste tubes at here in, in the recycling bin. They all go in the trash. So I can only imagine that happens to everybody else as well. So, wow, what what an incredible place to start um, today's show with the sheer volume of stuff and that's just the tubes let alone the toothpaste the, the um the toothbrushes and and you know mouthwash and bottles and all the other stuff that goes with it. So so where would you, where did you start then? So where did you start deciding, I know I'm going to make something better here? Like, how did that process even begin? Um, well, I guess I've always had a bit of a, like, I like to invent things. I like to mix things. You know, I've always had a, had a bit of that. I always like to know what ingredients are in something. And yeah, always had a bit of a, a science sort of background. So I guess I just sort of took that and... Um, did a lot of research and yeah, came out the other end with uh, knowing how to formulate toothpaste and then got into experimenting with different ways of the actual format. So for example, tablets, powder and a sort of thicker paste um, because the, the toothpaste in the tubes is 40% water. So, mm. you know, similar to shampoo or, you know, that is being turned into bars now. You don't need all that water in your products, um, you know. You've got like a really thick toothpaste paste, right? Which is thicker than in the tube. It's, yeah, that's like yeah. a standard toothpaste, which you only need to use a pea-sized amount. And it just makes it, it's actually, I find it way easier to use personally. It's a bit more like, you know, you go to the dentist and you get sort of that nice profi paste and your teeth feel really yeah. good afterwards. It's a bit more like, yeah. Okay. yeah. And so you got that, you sell that in little jars, right? With a little aluminium, the glass jars with a little aluminium lids on. So yes. awesome. So 100% basically recyclable. Yep. And also uh, refillable. So the, with the glass, we um, we take back all our glass for sterilizing and refilling. I love the idea that you, you're making these jars kind of refillable. So so how do you communicate that with your customers and what does the process look like? Um, I think it's because it's kind of been with us from the start. It's actually quite a big part of our brand. And um, because we, a lot of our stockists are refilleries and uh, eco stores they are already in that refill message so okay in, in a way it's not because those are our sort of customers at the moment it's not that sort of stranger concept mm. uh yeah although it's not that common um i think there's a lot more that can be done around refilling i mean the jars that we use can be used about 30 times before they need to sort of go into recycling yeah. so it just makes sense to to sort of wash, sterilize and reuse rather than going through that massive recycling process. Yeah, totally. And so why is there a cap the number of times that you can re-sterilize those jars? Yeah, it's it's more just when you get to that point, you'll end up with sort of chips or okay. um, the lids aren't going to screw on, that kind yeah, of thing. Right. So it's just wear and tear on the jars more than the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. So that's interesting, isn't it? So, so I mean, even now, I would say that the the sorts of audience that that rock up to refillery centers and those sorts of places are still what i would call more or less eco warriors they're still very much a niche 
Yeah, it's an it's it's kind of a niche market, right? It's not everybody goes there. So have you started experimenting with more mainstream consumption at this point, or are you still very much focused on the eco warrior segment? Um, well, I think as uh, sort of uh, the as it sort of becomes more mainstream to be sustainable. So, for example, we started three years ago, and back then, you know, I'd ask anyone, and no one would know what a toothpaste tablet was. But yeah. now I'll ask, you know, do you know what a toothpaste tablet is? Have you tried one? And probably about half of people are like either yes or you know um no but i you know really want to or so i think it's just as as sort of we change as a as a society um it becomes and people have become a bit more open to it yeah i think i think you're right and so you know i, I mean i guess it guess it doesn't take it's not much of a leap with the thicker toothpaste concept because it's basically the same it's just the delivery mechanism is different it's no longer in a squeezy tube it's now in a jar yeah but the, okay, so let's talk about the tablets then, because I think that's such an interesting. I mean, obviously, drying something out completely changes everything about the way mm. you distribute it, and it changes completely its sustainability profile, doesn't it? From a from a you know a dry tablet to a to a huge, great, heavy tube of toothpaste, that changes yeah. everything. So, so how how have you found actually approaching that conversation? Because you're saying that you know people mm-hmm. are quite open to it. Has that changed over the last few years? Because you've only been going three years as well, which I think is amazing. Yeah. So. I think toothpaste tablets, I'm not sure if it's the same in Australia, but yeah, in New Zealand, um, they're definitely around a bit more. Um, I've even seen some of the supermarkets, like very few, having a, having toothpaste tablets. Um, and I know there's a few Australian brands as well who I think have been um, bringing them out and in the States as well. Mm. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a growing category. Uh, and I think with... Um, people quite like the idea that it can almost be the fact that it's so sort of quick and easy and you get the exact right amount of pace does yeah. appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah, there are, and, and thinking, uh, I think it's a case of not thinking, oh, these are sort of worse than pace. It's like, what are the things that, that make it better than pace? And because yeah. you, yeah, the way that you use them, which is one of the things we often get asked is that you just pop it in your mouth and start to chew a little bit. And then you take your toothbrush and, brushed that paste around your teeth so yeah once they're in your mouth they are quite pasty so yeah. it's not actually much of a sometimes it's not that much of a leap yeah uh, anyone with kids knows just how much mess you know the toothpaste tube creates around the sink and god knows whatever else and and i'm guessing yeah. that you you can kind of almost build a story around the tablets being a the perfect delivery mechanism into your mouth but then be far less mess being created which is pretty cool yeah yeah um, and we also do uh, powder. So, yeah, I think because often with sustainable solutions, uh, sometimes you'll find that there's just sort of one solution that everyone has to kind of get on board with. Yeah. But we found that uh, offering a range of options, we have people, you know, who are really into powder and um, people who are really into tablets and people who are really into paste. And we also offer a range of different flavors so that yeah. it's not as you feel like you're, you know, missing out if you're switching from your regular paste to sustainable paste. You actually get a lot more options and you can sort of enjoy your brushing your teeth a lot more yeah well what is the best-selling flavor is it just the standard mint or is it maybe strawberry oh yeah totally just, just standard, standard mint, yeah. mint by miles yep yep yeah I, I i figured that might be the case but i quite like the idea of strawberry flavored toothpaste it almost feels like having a little treat at the end of the day maybe yeah good for kids um stra- and we do actually have a lot of adults as well there yeah there's a lot of adults who um have you know various reasons why you know mint toothpaste doesn't work for them and i've had people get in touch saying um oh my gosh thank you so much for making this i can actually brush my teeth again without gagging or feeling like i'm going to be sick you know because you've made this flavor that's just 
you know, doesn't have any mint in it. It was just a bit yeah. different. So it's really yeah. hearing that. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I think you started out trying to work out how to take the waste out of the oral care industry. But in the process, what you've made fundamentally is a better product. It's less messy. It's easier to use and get their amounts right. And it works even for people who really can't stand that sort of typical mintiness as well. And then on top of all that, the containers that you use are reusable. It's got a lower shipping footprint. And so you're really covering both functional and sustainability angles so, so well. So with all the fun out of the way of the different different types of sort of tooth cleaning stuff that you make, I don't know the word, the right word for the collection of tooth tablet and powder and, and paste. Is there a word? That, uh, no? I, don't, I don't have a very good one. Okay, let's call it stuff with a capital S, tooth cleaning stuff. Let's call it that. One of the things I think interesting is that now, if I understand this correctly, you guys actually make this stuff in your own factory, right? You don't, you haven't outsourced it to somebody to go, oh, please make me some toothpaste and it'd be really nice. You actually do this yourself. Yep. We, we manufacture everything in-house. Um, so that's gone from uh, when I started me sort of, you know, in the old Kenwood mixer, sort of working out, working yeah. out how it was going to work um, right up to now. Yeah. Having a proper sort of facility where you've got the, the, you know, big mixes and the the benches and the, yeah, wow. yeah everything. That's it. That's an incredible um, journey you've been on. Cause I don't know many other people that make personal care items who actually manufacture themselves. I'm almost always got contract factories. So why, why did you do it that way around? Um, well, there's a couple of reasons. So, I guess at the start, well, for one, I kind of like, I like that part of it. Like the formulating is such a big, it's it's right. one of my favorite things to do. Um, Mad scientist. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's that part that I actually, you know, want to do that. Um, and there is, yeah. then you've got sort of complete control over, you know, if you need to do any tweaks or um, yeah, I just really like having that. And you've got the, the quality control. I think just that part of that yeah. is really important to me. Um, and also with our tablets, um, because we make them a lot differently to how any other toothpaste um, brands make their tablets, um, ours are a lot softer and uh, turn into a paste a lot easier. So we have to do right. that in-house rather than outsource. But I guess one of the benefits of all that is that that means that you now have control of not just the QCs, like you said, the quality control, but you've also got um, total visibility and transparency of all of the sourcing yeah. of the product. And the whole supply chain now, which means that you can be as transparency becomes more and more important than over the next couple of years, particularly with, you know, regulations around greenwashing coming in and and and, and consumer expectations of transparency coming in. You've got that all ready to go. You don't need to go hunting for any of that stuff. So. Yeah. And also um, it also means that we have control over, say, any pre-consumer waste. So we can make sure that when we get our supplies and we can try and get them as sustainably as possible. And, you know, so often you know i mean i don't know if it's a sort of weird analogy but you know when you see all the the uh, t-shirts on the rack in any shop each one of those before they get on those racks they come in a little um single use single use uh individual plastic bag before they get them yeah. and all that gets dumped and yes yeah, make yeah. sure that that's not happening um when we have that sort of control over every step yeah yeah absolutely and and so you know i guess as a result of all this control you you've managed to get yourselves climate positive certified yeah, which yeah. is pretty 
darn impressive, I have to say. So talk us through that process a bit. What did that process look like? Because I've not yet talked to anybody, talked to a few people who've, who've got, you know, um, climate neutral mm-hmm. or carbon neutral. Climate positive, though, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a journey doing all the, the measuring and um, the first year we did it because you're just kind of starting from scratch and you don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah. But yeah, we did it with uh, ECOS, who is, has been really, really helpful um, with us in New Zealand uh, to, to measure that. And I think because from the start, we've had, we've tried to keep everything, do everything sort of like as well as we could, you know what I mean? So trying not to create yeah. any excess waste only, you know, trying to ship by sea, where we can, you know, unless we absolutely can't. So in that way, because we're sort of trying to keep things as low as possible, um, you know, we're able to sort of do that little bit extra and get to that that positive point. Yeah. Where where were the gotchas for you in that process? Where did you go, oh, my God, look at how much footprint we've got in, in this space? What was the biggest sort of learning out of that? I think a big part of it is just um, you're having to think so much more about, uh, so, for example, like what is happening, say, with your supplier before it gets to you. I think it's just thinking about yeah. that. Sometimes, you know, they're not able to give you all that information. And I think that is sort of a, it's just sort of an eye opener where you're sort of like, you know, I, you've told me that all this is happening, but I, you know, sometimes it's just, yeah, you want to, you want to be like a hundred percent. So I think what we would do, what we're, um, is in our plans is to, um, visit uh, a lot of the sort of, you know, our suppliers and just sort of get a, a full on hands on to see what's, what's happening, you know, not that, you know, we're sort of like, oh, this is, you know, because we're, we're quite choosy when we, we pick our suppliers, but, um, yeah, I think just having that sort of, I think the more, the more, you know, the better, right. And, um, more you can feel like absolutely confident and that you're doing something good you know Charles just jumping in here again with a quick aside no matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share and that's shipment packaging it's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition you already know if your stuff arrives damaged, that's a bad user experience. It ends up in profit-sucking refunds or replacements, and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill. But how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience? In many cases, it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand. With sustainability, the war on waste, and the single-use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all consumers now, the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at Heaps Good Packaging on the show. They provide a range of very cost-effective, eco-friendly, compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers, tapes, labels, and post-pack boxes. And with that all-important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code PACKLIKEABOSS to get 10% off site-wide. Okay, back to today's discussion. Just going back to you know the growth of your brand, you've been out for three years. You're already in about a bazillion stockists. Um, you, you're in a lot of places in, in New Zealand. Um, is that still your major channel or are you, because I know you've got a beautiful website as well. Are you selling more and more retail now directly or is it still, you're still focused on stockists? Um, so we do, we are actually 
majority an online um, brand in New Zealand, so just shipping mainly to New Zealand. We have a few um, Australian uh, orders every now and then, but since we're not doing yep. any marketing in Australia, um, you know, no one will really have a clue who we are. Um, yeah. But yeah, so at the moment we we want to grow, obviously. We want to get sustainable toothpaste to as many people as possible. So we kind of want to grow in all areas. So we want to, even though you say we very kindly say we have a bazillion stockers, we definitely want to have a lot more uh, and looking mm. more into those multi-store um, multi stockers as well and growing our existing ones as well, seeing how we can can help them to sort of, you know, get us get us out in front of more people. Yeah. And then, yeah, our next stage is looking to export. So because we sort of have to be quite conscious of carbon, um, it's not quite as easy as sort of just opening up our website and say, you know, sh just shipping all over the world, one for cost and two for all the carbon. So, mm. yeah, our plan is to, which we're sort of, working on now is to export to Singapore and uh, probably a couple of, or one or two states in Australia. So that's our sort of next next step. Um, we're just yeah, starting okay. starting to sort of, yeah, go into go into that. Um, obviously yeah. not having done that before, it's, it's quite a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're looking at um, distributors uh, into wholesale or, or are you going to do that with having a fulfillment center yourself and then making the sales online? These are all the questions. So these are all the options we're explore, uh, exploring at the moment. So right. Okay. You're right at that cusp right now. If anyone you know, knows, <laughs> feel free to get in touch. <laughs> so so just coming back to the question, though, around um, the, the growth, where's, where is most of your growth coming from? Is it for the expansion into wholesale or is it is it you seeing a really terrific growth online as well? Uh, so I think uh, probably about how long ago? Uh, probably a year, uh, a little bit over a year ago. I really um, focused on online, so I am much more comfortable in that space. Um, I'm happy to work out, you know, work out my SEO, work out how to make my website work a bit better, and yeah, social media marketing. Um, just really sort of um, Facebook ads, just like fully immersed myself in that, you know, I would go to sleep listening to podcasts on how to do it all and um, just kind of lived and breathed it for a while. Wow. And yeah, really saw, we literally saw like the jump, um, you know, from like triple sort of over like one month to the next from doing that, um, uh, you know, just in addition to your sort of regular sort of steady growth. So yeah, yeah that, was, that was really cool. Um, and now I think because there's only so many people you can get to buy toothpaste online, you know, there's, there's sort of a, there's a, there's a ceiling there. Right. So now our focus is, is getting into more, more stockists and yeah. 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 That, that make that makes sense. And, but you mentioned something there, which I have to, I have to explore a little bit further since you said it, you said, and this is really interesting to me. You said that you were doing your Facebook ads yourself and you'd managed to sort of get, you know, significant growth out of that, which is awesome. So I think that may have just picked up the ears of everybody listening to this because um, generally speaking, people fall into one or two camps. They either outsource it to an agency mm -hmm. and you know, the agency may or may not work. We all know we've all been in the, in the, in the, in the space of having a bad agency or they're doing it themselves and they're really struggling. So mm -hmm. what's your secret source, Laura? If you've got this thing working, what's what's your secret source that you can share with sustainable brands that you think is something that has worked really well for you? I think we kind of got a little bit lucky at the start that we um, ended up with a creative, like a video that really sort of piqued people's attention. And yeah. um, I mean, I'm still running that now and it still gets like wow. 
so much interest. Um, it's just toothpaste, like one of our, um, we've created this sort of these ref in-store refill machines. And so it's literally yeah. just toothpaste sort of squeezing out of um, a machine into a jar. And for okay. some reason that just really resonated with people. Um, so I think, yeah, it's having, I guess, a bit, I think your creative really matters and having something a bit quirky and maybe you're not going to be getting that from, and also I think uh, separating out your sort of, separating out your different platforms so facebook from and you know the same thing's not going to work on instagram and so having a very clear idea of what your different audiences are as well and actually who yeah. your audience is yeah 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 that that makes uh, you know a lot of sense and and of course what you just said was that that video content yeah. seems to be not only works well but works well which i think is incredibly important over a long period of time you said you've been mm -hmm. running it for a, a long time right and that's that is absolutely gold when it comes to facebook because there are very few campaign types creative types of any kind that work in an evergreen sense anymore on facebook so if you found that you had one video that just keeps on working that, that is literally that's gold that's gold mining what you know those are the perfect sort of things that you want so for anybody listening out there video is still one of the most effective ways to build your um overall facebook success i would say not just from an advertising point of view but also in terms of organic content and and the two feed absolutely together awesome awesome tip any others that you'd like to share um yeah i guess another thing which um i found really useful is uh uh, Instagram reels so basically okay. just putting if you've got you know any energy to be doing social media um put it into there and, and no money put it into doing um Instagram reels um and you know it's just sort of a it's it's not too time consuming um and you just get a bunch of sort of free views every you know a few days when you do one um and don't stress too much about Facebook um organic material well I don't really do much at all anymore um yeah so these are just, I've had so many um, like really smart people that I've chatted to and I've just sort of stolen all their advice really. So, yeah. So you spend most of your time creating video content for reels or, or Facebook and then ads, and then you don't actually post too much of that content organically. Cause I see you've got plenty of stuff going on organically, but most of it's static, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I suppose, um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, I think if you've got a limited amount of time, like, yes, I, I could spend all day on social media and there was a point where I was doing that, but then I mm. realized I need to be doing all these other things, you know, small yeah. problems you need to, you know, you need to be doing everything. So yeah, yeah, it was kind of like just doing, trying to do it in a, a smarter way where maybe I'm not, you know, getting as much as if I was spending my whole time on it, but yeah, just doing it in sort of a, a smart way. So in a logical way where I'm like, you know, this is what I do. It's not just going out randomly so for example we're a lot more busy now because of our pledge me so i'm a bit more active on at the moment you know it's um yeah well that makes sense and, and let's so let's just talk about that for a moment because obviously all this growth that we've just been talking about both in in both channels has meant that you've had to start to think about expanding out your production facility which is br a brilliant place to be so you've outgrown where you are now and you're running a pledge me campaign to make that possible. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we, at the moment, we have the bottom of our house has been converted into a toothpaste lab. So, you know, that is that has served us well for a while. Um, and then we had to add a 20 foot shipping container to the front lawn. Now that is full. So yeah, we kind of need to move <laughs> um, before, you know, we literally don't have anywhere to live upstairs as well. Um, You'll be moving into the shipping container before long and your, and your house will be one giant factory. 
yeah, it'll be on the tent, out in a tent on the on the lawn. Um, That's it. Yeah. So yeah, we're running a a pledge me, which yeah, we've got um, a bunch of cool rewards where people can just sort of I guess go on and sort of see our story, see um, what we're doing, and yeah, hopefully see something they like and um, help us out. So we're about. 75% of the way there, which is amazing, but um, it's feeling like a little bit of a, you know, are we going to, are we going to make it at the moment? So yeah, time is running out. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on being 75% of the way there. So you, by the time this goes to air, you'll have one, exactly one week left uh, on, on your pledge me. Uh, and so if anybody is interested in helping these guys get out and get that bigger factory, help, help the, uh, the world to live more sustainably when it comes to dental care, this is going to be a great bet. So um, I hope you get there. I hope you get there. Uh, exciting times for the last week, for sure. So, Laura, what's what's next over the next 12, 18 months? Aside from, aside from hopefully you get the pledge me across the line and you start to move into a bigger facility, what other exciting things are, in, are coming down the pipeline for you? Uh, yeah, I guess it is an exciting time because um, I quite like to keep myself busy. And as I was saying before, my favourite thing is, uh, formulating and making new products so yeah it sort of last year was spent on doing a lot of that and then as it's quite a long process it means that sort of the start of this year we've got a bunch of new products coming out which is really cool we've got a sustainable teeth tooth whitening kit which um yeah is is sort of a little a little bit different from from the the norm but um yeah it's um it's very cool uh so keep an eye out for that what makes a tooth whitening kit a normal tooth whitening kit not sustainable is it just the packaging again or is it something else it, no it's mainly the packaging yeah. so most um teeth whitening systems use the same two ingredient one of the same two ingredients um because they're proven to be safe they work um there's no reason not to use them you know they they biodegrade so yeah, it's not as though the actual sort of product is that, you know, crazily different from the other things out there, but yeah, it's the packaging. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you've gotten a tooth whitening kit lately, perhaps not. I, I have never bought one. <laughs> yeah, well, usually it's like a, you know, a giant box with sort of plastic inners and you've got a bunch of plastic syringes and you've got one of those uh, UV lights that you're supposed to bite down on, which don't actually work, studies show. And yeah, it's just basically a lot of plastic. And when you look at how much product product is made up with it, it's about, you know, 20 mils and just mm. massive plastic to make it look sort of more impressive. So we've kind of pared all that away and uh, put it into one of our little glass bottles. We've got a paint on applicator and um, some reusable cotton rolls, which is sort of, I suppose, from my time in the um, dental industry, I um, I love cotton yeah. roll to um, <laughs> isolate the area. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I am I like it. I've actually been Pretty uh, cool. Yeah, using it the past few days, um, just sort of, you know, final final test. Well, I was just going to say, your teeth look very, very white, so you must be a recipient. I mean, you must be testing that a lot. Uh, I'm going to have to turn my, my brightness down and my filter here a little bit. It's gleaming, <laughs> gleaming away in the background. So, okay, I interrupted you, though, but you were going to say you were going to jump onto the next thing apart from tooth whitening. Yeah, so we've also uh, got a um, three new pastes coming out. So they are extra protection paste. So our standard pastes are good for, you know, pretty much kids, everyone. But then we've got people who need a bit more for their teeth, you know, for various reasons. So these ones contain uh, extra fluoride and, uh, yeah, so just help help those people who need a bit more extra protection. And we've got a sensitive version 
a mint version and we've got a brand new flavor as well which is lemon which is really really nice like, i don't actually like lemon and i like this flavor so yeah okay that's interesting and so all of that you're planning on releasing i guess makes sense in in new zealand where you have to your existing community to start with i would imagine because it's there are obviously cross sells and upsells from from the your, your existing customers and so and into your existing stockers as well and then obviously you said singapore australia being you know sort of next targets mm-hmm. for international expansion will you will you take all your products over overseas there or just or just your core toothpaste as a as an initial offering yeah that's a good question i think um some of our products won't work as well going offshore. So for example, we have a mouthwash, um, which is super effective in, in what it does, which is just uh, freshens your breath like amazingly. Mm. Um, but it, because of that, it only has a six month shelf life on it. Plus, um, yeah. you know, the nature of sort of, uh, sort of, you know, liquids, you know, that's probably not going to be one of them. But um, yeah, our other products, Totally, we're um, yeah open to to getting those there. Um, it's just working out the the how and the yeah the how. <laughs> where do we go and get your amazing products, Laura? Where where should we start looking for them? Yeah, so we have one stockist in Australia, which you can go and check on our. Well, they're not actually our stockist yet. We're just sending out our first order. You heard it here, folks. First inside scoop of the first stockist in Australia. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Apart from that, you can order um, off our website, um, but probably more more relevantly if um if there's any uh stores out there or anyone who's sort of you know uh interested in in sort of helping us get our products into australia in a better way um please reach out um or any advice would be um yeah really really open to that cool and so what's your website address uh, it is solidoralcare.co.nz fantastic and and i think if i understand it correctly you can uh you can get stuff on subscription too right so yes how does that work so Basically, you choose what you would like. Um, so we have really nice bamboo brushes as well. So, you know, you can say, choose, okay, I'm going to have two toothpaste in a jar and a bamboo brush delivered to me every three months. Um, just go in, set that up um, and basically forget about it. And you'll get it delivered every every three months or two months, however often you like. And you can adjust that at any point if you're like, oh, I'm going through it too fast. I would, I'd like to switch that or I want to add a brush. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a really important feature, isn't it? Because I mean, subscriptions are great, but what we found over over the years is that consumers don't necessarily know how fast they get through stuff, and so they'll set it up and then they'll get end up with a cupboard full of things. And and then if if you don't make that super easy for them to change, they'll just end their subscription. Yeah, and then they'll forget and they'll go back to their old habits of not buying your product anymore. So yeah making sure that's super configurable is actually really really important and also keeping up the communications around when when they're going to get shipped out and and asking them if they'd like to make any changes because it's it's far better for them to go no I don't, i'm not ready yet put it back a month than it is just getting to cancel it because they got fed up with having a, a, a drawer full of the stuff totally subscriptions are it's like a whole um a whole sort of job in itself managing them and working out the best way i've i've definitely found it to be it's probably one of the more difficult parts of my job is managing how you know, managing subscriptions to go as seamlessly as possible. It's um yeah harder than you think when it's a it's a physical product and also when you're having to sort of like for example, I built my own website. So then it's like working what works with that and how you plug everything in and it's yeah. It gets kind of difficult. Yeah. Yeah, they can be. They can be. Well, Laura, it's been so much fun chatting with you today. And I I didn't know that I could get this excited about dental care, I must admit, but I do love the idea of, you know, bringing the sustainably thought through process from manufacturing, packaging, and then, of course, your your carbon footprint 
into the into the dental care industry. So thank you for thinking so carefully about that. And it's been wonderful having you on the show. No, thank you for having me. It's been um, you've let me talk about, you know, nerdy Facebook ads, things and stuff. That's um, <laughs> always fun. <laughs> Well, you know, I love it when people want to talk about Facebook ads because it's one of the biggest bub bears of e-commerce, uh, especially over the last year. And so anybody that's got some really great insights into how to make the damn thing work is is well received by everybody. I can assure you that. So thanks again. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And firstly, of course, we have to talk meta content. Laura gave us a pretty direct view what's been working for her over the past year or so and that's video specifically video ads on facebook and reels on instagram laura's been investing very little time actually in organic content on facebook and when less than five percent of your audience actually gets to see the content without promotion that's not really surprising not that it doesn't work but like she said it's about spending time where you get the highest value returns and as a flat out entrepreneur that's the sort of logic that's hard to argue with but it's worth trying different types of content and testing it too. If you check out Solid's Reels, you'll perhaps not surprisingly see that content featuring the founders gets reliably good engagement. But the most watched Reels of all, as Laura said, are the videos of toothpaste refills happening. I guess there's something intriguing and unusual about that, but I'm not sure you could have predicted it was going to be at least 10 times as good as anything else. And lastly, if you're running subscription services in your brand, it's absolutely vital to enable the customer to configure it with things like number of units and frequency. And don't just assume that it's a set and forget exercise for them. Customers are actually much more likely to stay subscribed to your service if you allow them to change their subscription whenever and however they wish. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you're going to rush off now and explore toothpaste tablets. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.